On this episode of the Conehead Sports Podcast, we interview Tom Ackerman. Great interview. St. Louis native. Great talking to him about his life in radio, KMLX, his family, his recent coaching experiences. Great interview. Great opportunity to interview him. And I think you guys really like this. So let's get to it. I'm now on with newest guest, Tom Ackerman. I said that right. Ackerman? Uh, Ackerman. Yeah. Ackerman, Ackerman, but it's a, he is a sports director for KMOX, morning anchor for KMOX News, a network host for the Cardinals and host of the Garage Happy Hour podcast. I didn't forget anything, did I? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff, but hey, you know, the Garage (laughs) Happy Hour is an important one. That's uh, kind of fun. I appreciate you doing this podcast because, you know, I I think that's really the future of media in a lot of ways, uh, this on-demand type audio. So it's pretty neat that you're doing it, and the Garage Happy Hour is kind of the same way. I appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate you doing this for me, but, yeah, podcasting and seeing that we both, you know, do podcasts, might as well come together and have a good one, two people from, from St. Louis. Yeah, I understand you were born in St. Louis and that you currently live in Kentucky. And as we're recording this, I wanted to tell you that my heart goes out to everyone in the state of Kentucky. What a devastating um, storm damage that we've seen there and, and lives lost. And uh, it just breaks my heart. So I just want to wish everybody there the very best. Oh, yeah. Western Kentucky. It's terrible. And the few friends I know who go to Western Kentucky University and a few people who live there definitely, definitely prayers out to them. That is horrific and terrible scene. But I appreciate you saying that. Um, but we'll get right into it. Um, we'll just start with sports. Obviously, I would imagine sports has an important part of your life. You obviously work in it. So where, where did you grow up and what do you think started this love for your sports when you were younger? Definitely my dad. I grew up in St. Louis, which is a very... Uh, sports heavy city i would say sports really drives a lot of the culture here brings people together we have a lot of great history here but a lot of youth sports and the future is very bright here big baseball town big hockey town big soccer town Um, but we also have a lot of good football and basketball talent that have come out of st louis and and it's a great golf destination and a whole lot more so i kind of grew up around all of it and i played sports and I played basketball was really my main sport. I played soccer as most kids did around here growing up, baseball, football, all that good stuff. But, you know, I, I, when I realized that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete or even a college (laughs) athlete, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a broadcaster though from the, from when I was a little kid. And that's just, you know, again, comes from my dad, who was just a big sports fan and would take me to games. We watched a lot of games together, listen to them on radio, watch them on TV. And I just always uh, loved uh, watching people perform under pressure. And that's kind of yeah. always been it for me. And I, I just, uh, you know, I continue to follow it, play it, coach it. I coach my daughter's fifth grade basketball team, just like when. I was playing fifth grade basketball. I think what that was like, you know, and, and now I watch them learn the game. It's, it's, it all comes back full circle. It's pretty cool. Well, I didn't even know that. So you're a middle school coach. What, what kind of coach are you? Are you more like sit back? Are you more of a, 
a screamer, maybe? Yeah, first time I've coached. <laughs> now, I was uh, in the seats for her. She played second, third, and fourth grade basketball. Gosh, man, when I was growing up, I didn't play. start playing. We didn't have really competitive team opportunities until I was in fifth grade. But yeah. you know, now when you're in second, third, fourth grade these days, you're playing competitive ball. So I was always the dad kind of sitting in the seats quietly watching and observing. So the one advantage I have, we haven't played a game yet, but we've had about – seven practices or so is that I know these girls pretty well by watching them through the years. So now mm -hmm. I, I get the chance to coach. Um, I was asked to coach this team and, and I'm happy to do it. So what kind of a coach am I? I I'd say I'm pretty patient with them. Uh, I, you know, when mm -hmm. we start playing games, we'll see if they actually have listened through these practices. Uh, it was kind of <laughs> funny. One of my, one of my uh, fellow dads was was watching one of my practices the other day, and he said, "In the girls, so I had them in a water break, and like you know, some of them were talking, some of them were running around, a couple of them were climbing up the bleachers." And he's like, "He's like, man, you got way more patience than I do. I mean, this is just wild. I mean, this, you know, I have 13 fifth grade girls, and I said, mm -hmm. watch this, and I pulled the whistle out of my pocket and hit it, you know, doot doot, and I was like, let's go." layup line you know and they came running and they're ready to go you know so like they they listen but also i want them to have fun like i want them to bond and have a good time and chat and get yeah. to know each other because if we're going to be good we need to know each other and communicate on the floor um but when it's time to work it's time to work and they they get that too but i want them to look forward to getting to practice i want them to have a good time i want them to to see basketball as fun you know when i grew up i remember playing and i remember my coaches so well i could tell you every mm -hmm. single coach and how they coach the team going back to fifth grade so i want it to be a good experience for them and and have them look forward to to our practices i feel like that's that's really important for kids earlier when they if you want to see them succeed maybe in life maybe not even in sports not not just being like the the coach make them want to come to practice make them make them want to have fun make sports fun for them not don't make it like a chore for them to have to go and do right and i also you know i'm teaching them offense the basics of offense and i don't want to start throwing all these plays at them and stuff like i don't i don't need them to memorize plays and and try to because once you do that then they're not going to score they're going to be worried too much about where they're running and and what they're supposed yeah. to do on a particular play i want them to have some freedom to score out there uh, obviously we're going to we're going to be tough defensively, but we want to be able to score and have a good time and, and, you know, create out there and have, have fun playing and learn the fundamentals. Like let's learn how to pass. Actually, let's learn how to catch a pass. You know, like the, I think the first thing that you learn <laughs> in basketball is catching the basketball. Like let's learn how to catch. Let's learn how to pass. Let's learn how to dribble. Let's learn how to, how to move our feet defensively, learn how to shoot a layup, yeah. <laughs> you know, and get those things down. Right. And then as, as you develop as a player in the next few years, you learn a little more of the uh, intricacies of, of the game and how to, how to win. Uh, right now we're learning how to play the game the right way and have fun doing it. You know, and, and I would never push. So my daughter's on the team. I would never push her to play basketball. She wanted to play. And yeah. you know, she watched me play or knows that I played and, and has, has watched me watch games um, we do have a hoop in the driveway and, and, you know, we shoot hoops together, but 
you know, I, I just want her, she's the one who said she wanted to play and the day that she says she doesn't want to anymore, we'll move on to something else. Exactly. And no, I think that's important. Do you ever, you ever one V one her maybe a little 21 in the driveway? Uh, she is pretty <laughs> quick, man. I mean, you know, she, can, she can score and as she gets some layups. She's, she's a guard, um, and tough. And the one thing, uh, you know, I'm six, two, and she's under five feet, so I'm going to get those rebounds. But if she makes the shot, I, there's no rebound for me to get. So yeah, we. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we've gone one on one yet, but we've definitely. She can. She can get me in horse. So we got to be careful there. I was back to the 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 patience. I've always I've always like wanted to coach. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to to do it but i've always felt like i would be the coach and be like why can't you make the layup why why didn't you make the layup so i feel like that's definitely saying something if you have patience because i feel like i wouldn't have really any patience coaching at all it's be why why didn't you make that shot yeah i've got a there's one player on our team who's really really good and well we've got a few really good players but we have one that i think is maybe a step above everybody else and you know we'll the expectations for her will be pretty high and then there's some other players who are also really good developed players and then there are a couple that I have my eye on who are just kind of getting the game and understanding how to play organized basketball and I'm telling you right now they're going to be really good in like two years I can see them yeah Uh, I can see who they're going to be they don't even know it yet but you can see how they move and how they play they're going to be really good players they just need to learn how to you know make decisions with the ball and things like that but once once they get it they're going to get it and it's going to click in and i think that's the neat thing for a coach is that you do have to to understand that they're learning still you know how to move out there and play the game and and, um encourage them when they do it right yeah i feel like that's a it's a great trait and it's definitely a trait you have to establish as a coach to you know be a better coach and you see the greats do that but we'll uh, we'll switch topics to more of the sports side, more of the you know the daily life. So we'll say, going and say you're preparing for a day in the work tomorrow. What does that look like preparing to go into work? Because I feel like radio is something you can't just go in with, uh, just go in there. You have to prepare. What is it like a day of preparing for a day of work? Well, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm in the office downtown and I have two monitors on. One of them has the Chiefs game, uh, Chiefs and Raiders. <laughs> the other one has IU. So that's just for my own entertainment because I went to Indiana. Uh, don't yeah. let anyone around there look down on me because I went to IU. But um, <laughs> I'm watching the Hoosiers right now. But, you know, I, I would say I'm always keeping an eye on things and I'm preparing from that standpoint. So I, I do a morning show on KMOX. What are they going to want to hear tomorrow? I just completed a show this morning. It's called Sports on a Sunday Morning. So that show's done. Uh, we're going to archive it, and it's available on podcasts, and, and you can hear some of those interviews. But, you know, now I'm Of course, I'm go check it out. About, yeah. Uh, you know, KMOX.com, iTunes, um, Sports on a Sunday Morning is the name of that show. It's a very long run. It's been around for years and years um today was just an hour because we had chiefs pregame it's usually from 10 to 12 on sunday mornings anyway you know i i work monday through thursday a show called total information am i'm the anchor i do news so a lot of what we will do will actually happen 
tomorrow. Like, what will the news be tomorrow morning? What will the weather be? What will the traffic be? It's almost like calling play by play of life, you know, like things are happening yeah. at, in real time. But from a sports standpoint, I'm going to be, there will be no sports happening live tomorrow morning. I'm going to be talking about what happened on Sunday. So I'm already starting to think in my head, what are people going to want to talk about or hear about tomorrow? They're going to hear about the St. Louis Blues who play tonight. They're very popular here in town. Uh, NHL team that has been, you know, excellent for the last few years, winning a Stanley Cup. They're going to want to hear a couple of things about St. Louis University, which is one of our partners. The Cardinals, when is this MLB lockout going to end? I'm thinking about, you know, storylines and some things that we'll discuss tomorrow and preparing for that today. I also have an event that I'm doing tonight. I'm emceeing an event for the Gateway PGA, which is the local chapter of the PGA of Ooh. America. So I, I, you know, I've got, I got a lot on my plate, but you know, I'm preparing a lot of those things and kind of getting ready for, for all of that. So it's, it's constantly uh, working and, and planning ahead and then executing once, once it's uh, game time, once it's showtime. So with all that, how important is it for you to find, to find family time, the, to, to still have your career and still stay active. And you're obviously doing a whole lot with what you just said. It seems like just today, how important is it for you to find family time? Cause I know you have daughters and you have a wife and all that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I definitely, one of the reasons I did the coaching thing and my wife was like, how are you going to have time to do that? And you've got all this stuff going <laughs> on. Now you have Monday and Friday, you're going to be coaching basketball, but, and games on the weekends. But, my whole thought process there was that I'll be able to spend time with my daughter. So that's a two hour window um, every day where I'm just, there's nothing else going on in the world except that team and basketball. But I also spend a lot of time at home with them. So I do the morning show. As I said, I get up at four in the morning. We go on the air at five. Whoa. I'm done Ooh. at noon here in the office. And then you know, I've got the rest of the day. So I'm the sports director of the station. I'm always managing the department, but I can be reached via iPhone today. You can phone, you can call, text, email, and get things done pretty quickly on an iPhone. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm back home in the afternoon. My daughter gets off the bus at three. I'm always there. We spend some time together. My other daughter has swim practice. She's out at five. I pick her up every day at five. And, you know, and then my wife comes home from work around six and we all have dinner together. I mean, if I have an event during the week, that's, uh, you know, that's one thing that'll keep me away. But the fact yeah. that I do a morning show really does help from that standpoint. I'm not working. I did the first half of my career, first 10 years at KMOX, I was working nights and weekends, but that was before mm -hmm. kids. Now with kids, working this morning shift actually has worked out very well for me. I don't travel as much. I do college basketball games for the Missouri Valley Conference, but that's, you know, 10 games during the season where I'm in a car going to that college campus. Um, I don't yeah. travel with the Cardinals. You know, I do their network shows from here. I'll occasionally go where they are, um, but I don't really travel around the country and right now, while the kids are in school, one's a freshman and one is a, a fifth grader, um, I am able to spend a lot of time with them, more family time than you'd think. Even this morning, you know, I did my sportscast from home. 
uh, mm-hmm. took care of the dogs, made breakfast, all that stuff, left the house, came downtown, had a little time to prep, did my show. Uh, now I'm doing your show and I'm going to uh, do a couple things in the office, then head back, spend a little time this afternoon at home. Uh, and then do that event tonight. But normally a Sunday night would be free where we would be having dinner and maybe have the Sunday night football game on, things like that. So I I do, I definitely make sure that I have that balance in my life to to spend time with family. And I feel like that's the most important. That's obviously for for my dad and my mom, they've always found time for that. And I feel like that's a very important way of life. And you obviously have it very well balanced. Uh, We'll go back to, um, of course, while I'm, uh, looking to interview you, looking for questions. One came up, and you said this earlier about your dad. And I, the question is, where do you get your love for sports from? And there was a, a writing that you said about your dad and something about the national anthem and how he wants you to say it. Do you want to share that story? Of Do you think that's where your love for sports came from? Yeah, it came from definitely just growing up around him and watching games and when I was uh... – when I was a kid was when Michael Jordan was at his peak and, you know, we'd be, my dad would have an NBA game on and then pull me out of my room when I was doing homework and say, Tom, (laughs) there's like 30 seconds left. Bulls are down one, you know, let's watch. And we'd watch the end of the game or, you know, we'd go to football games, big games. So I was always around sports and he always made sure that I shared in that love, his love for sports. And I became, as I mentioned, I played football, but I was, I was small. I mean, I was five, seven, 130 pounds when I was a junior in high school. I'm now six, two, like two fifteen. I wish I was the size in high school. Anyway, uh, I, I like, I love playing quarterback, but yeah, I was, I was too small and, and too slow. And, you know, that's just not, it's not going to work as much as I love the game. So I became the public address announcer for the football team um, in my high school, which is a very good uh, football program here. And, um, I, you know, was able to do the JV games. And then when the varsity announcer left, I became the public address announcer for varsity football. And, um, those were my first experiences on a microphone in front of people. And I would be mm-hmm. calling, you know, Jones, the ball carrier, tackle by Smith, gain of eight, first down, you know, things like that. And then I, <laughs> yeah. I but I learned how to go through rosters with the coaches. Um, I, did sportscasts at halftime. I made up my, my, you know, wrote my own sportscast. I would call into Camo X actually and get college football scores on a recorded line that they would have that you could call in and listen. And then um, I'd copy them down and do my own uh, college football scores at halftime for the crowd. So they loved that. But the national anthem that you are referring to was, you know, my dad telling me how a public address announcer should describe you know the weather um mm-hmm. the, how we should properly open the national anthem and and you know please join in the singing of our national anthem you know the way he he thought i should word it things like that you know all of that stuff my english teacher was the scoreboard operator so he was like correcting my grammar as i went along <laughs> that whole experience thinking about back in in you know high school sophomore junior senior year was really fun for me and really shaped me as a broadcaster to have all those people around and my dad, which was, which was neat because my dad was a football player and, and a good one. Um, in, in high school, he was a fullback 
And so instead of being disappointed that I didn't play football, he fully embraced my broadcast career. And yeah. I always appreciated that. And uh, he, he passed away when I was young. He died right after my high school graduation. So he did not get to be here and experience all of this with me. But I know he's looking down and smiling. Oh, I know. He's definitely proud of what you've done. That's a great story because I feel like that's – I mean, I relate that to my dad as of now. And he he's always been – he's always listened to podcasts from the second I can remember, like, being in the car with him. And it eventually somehow led to me doing my own podcast. So I, I definitely – I understand what you're you're saying. But another thing, another – just more questions. Uh Working in sports, does it ever make sports? Obviously not, since you're coaching it. It doesn't. Does it ever make it less fun for you in your personal time? Just working with it. You know, that's interesting. I would say when I first started, I was working so hard and so much covering the teams that mm-hmm. I became. Um, yeah, I almost burned myself out a little bit when I was in my 20s because I was working around the clock and, and that's all I was doing and I was not balancing my life. So it became, even though I was enjoying it, you know, you, you just, you know, it became a grind. So you weren't yeah. like, I wasn't as much of a fan of the Cardinals as I was like, this is my job and I cover this team. And while I enjoyed doing it, you know, you kind of emotionally took yourself out of whether they win or lose. You're just covering the story. And then tomorrow there's another game. Uh, Today it's a little bit different in that, you know, in my managerial role here, I don't cover the team day to day. I'm not down in the clubhouse every day. I, as their broadcast partner, uh, we definitely root for them to be good because that means we're going to do well. Um, But I, you know, and I'm, I'm supporting our advertisers and I'm entertaining clients at the ballpark and I'm at Bush stadium all the time. And I'm part of their broadcast team. And you definitely, uh, it's a different kind of feeling, a feeling of support for that team. And you do emotionally pull for them a little bit more. Um, but even then, like when they lose and the season's over, I'm over it the next day. I'm already thinking about <laughs> spring training. We've got stuff coming up. Like, it's a business, and it's 365 yeah. days a year. I mean, they're going to be back playing, hopefully, if this lockout ends. Uh, they'll be back playing pretty soon. Same thing with the Blues. Same thing with other teams. But Indiana's a different story. So that's my <laughs> alma mater. I don't cover them. I, I'm yeah. on the board of the media school in Indiana, but that's really the only business connection I have. I don't cover Indiana on a daily basis. I am a fan. Like when I go to the game, I'm going to, I'm going to be there with my daughters uh, next month. You know, I'll be there as a fan. I pull for this team as a fan. So I still do get uh, that excitement and I love sports. I mean, I watch games. I don't watch every single sport all day long. I pick and choose what I want, but I love a good, Saturday SEC football game on CBS. Like I love that stuff. I just went down to the or- the Iron Bowl. Um, I saw that. How was that? Time. It was awesome. First time I saw the Iron Bowl down at Auburn. It was great. Like I love big sporting events. They they excite me. I love uh, you know fifth grade girls basketball because I love <laughs> competition, and I'm excited. Yeah. They're going to hear cheers for the first time here coming up. You know, so yeah, it definitely. Um, if anything, it's kind of enhanced my love for sports because I, I have seen 
you know, how much these uh, people work uh, behind the scenes. And you, you kind of gain a little more respect because I see them as human beings that have really worked hard. I know that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't know. They sometimes, you know, things go on in their family life or they get yeah. sick or they play hurt or, you know, there's a lot sometimes that the public doesn't know about athletes and coaches. Um, they're, they're people just like you and me. And that's what I was about to say. Athletes are people too. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that to get to know them as humans. I, I actually think that uh, I, I have a new appreciation for teams. Um, I'm not as quick to criticize um, a person. Of course, I, I'm, I'm going to criticize a team if I don't think that they're playing well, because my obligation is to the listener and the fan and the, the, the fan that plunks down hundreds, hundreds of dollars to go see a team play, they deserve a good product. That yeah. said, I, I have an understanding of what goes on and, and definitely an appreciation for, you know, what they try to do to get themselves ready. When I was, uh, as I was searching of things to ask you, I saw that on your Twitter timeline that you retweeted about the, uh, the Indiana beating Kentucky, what, 10 years ago. And I was like, ah, He's an Indiana fan. I don't yeah. know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna ask him now. I know in Kentucky fans, I know exactly, and I love Kentucky fans, man. Like I'm not, I don't have the hate. I love I love to hate Kentucky, but we haven't played them in a decade. Um, yeah. Well, that's not true. Actually, the last time I believe the last time was IU beat him in the tournament in '16, uh, in the round of 32. That was Tom Crean's best victory, actually. Kentucky fans, I think I remember at, that. They would look at the, that game, the Christian Watford buzzer beater, and say, how sad Indiana's still celebrating a regular season game from 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, you know, we, we talk about March. Um, but yeah, that game was so much fun. That game was such a breakout for the program. It was an awesome win. I love going back and watching that. But, yeah, I, Kentucky fans are a lot like um, Cardinals fans, actually. So Cardinals fans, yeah. there are millions of them, and they have very high standards. You know, the, the, let's let's win a World Series, and how do we get there? And you know, Kentucky fans are uh, crazy about their team, um, and the football team's good too. But they're crazy about the the basketball program and everything, and they want to know more and more. And so, you know, I can relate to Big Blue Nation in that way. Yeah, we just lost to Notre Dame yesterday. It wasn't the best nah. day yesterday. <laughs> nah, get but, uh, well, when March happens, hopefully Coach Cal can, you know. But one last thing before we go into, like, the sports stuff, it's about one of the – probably one of the biggest names in St. Louis, which is which is Jack Buck. But a lot, a lot of people more my age know Joe Buck. But you knew Jack Buck. Can you tell us about the first time you actually met him? Because I heard I, I was to a story yeah, about that. I met him as a kid uh, when I was a, when I was a little kid. I met him a couple of times because you would see him in town or, or you know, a friend of our family uh, was somewhere where he was. But the first time that I met him and really talked to him was one of my first days at Camel X. I had been here for a little while. This is back in 1997. I'd only been here maybe for a couple of weeks. And I walked into the sports office and he was in there by himself and he stood mm -hmm. up and, and saw me. And I said, hi, Mr. Buck, my name is Tom Ackerman. I, I just started <laughs> working here and I, I really am. A, I'm such a fan of yours. And I, 
you know, I've read your book twice and I, and I just appreciate you. And he sticks his hand out to shake my hand and I shook his hand and I thought, wow, like this guy's, you know, royalty. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> how many people have been able to shake his hand, you know, presidents and hall of famers. And he looks at me and he goes, what kind of pizza do you like kid? <laughs> and I said, uh, pepperoni. And he goes, I'll buy it if you go downstairs and get it. (laughs) So he calls in and calls for this pepperoni pizza. Delivery comes. He gives me money. I go downstairs, bring it back up. And we just sat there and, you know, shared a pizza and talked. People were popping into the office, getting a slice. And like his way of breaking the ice, you know, it was just so cool. And then he walked out of the room and I called my mom to check in with her. And she's like, hey, I haven't heard from you. Like, you know all day like what's going on and i how are things going i said great i'm in the office right now sharing a pizza with jack buck she's like what i'm like i gotta go sorry he's coming back and i I hung up and uh, anyway he was he was a legendary figure but he just loved people Uh, he treated me like i belonged and i appreciate that from the beginning Um, so he taught me a lot about being a great person he hosted a lot of events around town he was the best play-by-play man I've ever heard. And the reason was yeah. he was like your friend. He was like your companion. He just, I love the way he called a game. He was cool. Uh, he was everything. He was the soundtrack of the summer for us here in St. Louis. That's, I can't remember who said it. I heard it recently. They're like the best people are the ones who make you feel like your family the first time you met him. And of course I, I mean, Jack Buck, obviously, that's why he's one of the greatest to ever call him. And I don't know him as much because he was a little before my time. I'm only 19. is a little before that. But um, I know more about Joe Buck. But I yeah, I believe you've met both of them. I, I know you've met yeah, Joe, met right? Joe I've well. seen. Yeah. What, kind of, what kind of guy? What kind of guy is Joe Buck? Because I personally actually really like Joe Buck, but I know a lot of people don't. What kind of guy is he? Is he I, I feel like he'd be a pretty down-to-earth down to earth guy. guy yeah i never quite got that like why people don't I, I think maybe it's just because he doesn't take himself very seriously and just he just has fun on the air and you know makes jokes and has a good time but boy that guy can call a game man he, he is a great broadcaster and one of the best things that joe does is he's the master at stepping away from the broadcast for a moment just letting the crowd and the sound oh yeah take over. oh yeah and he's he's really really good at that but um no he's just a great guy he's he's a he's somebody that i can lean on and in this business you know it's nice to have somebody that you can talk to for advice and he is that kind of guy he's just a good person and and again i think one of his best traits is he doesn't take himself very seriously he has admitted, he wrote a great book um, called Lucky Bastard, which is about his, he's sort of, you know, poking fun at himself for the fact that he knows that he's Jack Buck's son, and that's the reason that he got the job when he was in his 20s. But he's had to live up to those expectations and fight that, you know, yeah. nepotism um, throughout his career. And He's done an amazing job of it. I mean, he is the face of Fox Sports. He calls the Super Bowl. He calls the World Series. And he's darn good at it. But he's also very critical of himself. And mm-hmm. um, he's admitted that through the years that he's kind of battled that doubt. He For a while, he battled that doubt. You know, 
am I going to be exposed as a fraud, you know, kind of thing in his head. And I, you know, you kind of, every broadcaster does battle things, you know, they, even, even the best in the business sometimes need to be told that they're good and they're doing a good job. And, you know, he's been very supportive of me. Um, but in turn, I think that he's appreciated when I'll send him a little text and tell him he did a great job. He's a good person. He's really, really a good person. He's got a great family and he's just a good dude. I think that, I think that anybody who criticizes Joe Buck, if they spent a few hours with him having a beer at a bar, yeah. they would think differently. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I've always thought that I've just had people like, oh, I don't like Joe Buck. And I'm like, I mean, I think he's probably one of my top announcers. And of course he does with Troy Aikman. And I also love Troy, but I think they're definitely one of the best combo of announcers that are out there. Definitely. And so they've I've, been, I've always they've liked been together a long time, man, like 20 years. And, you know, you develop a great friendship and, and understanding of each other on the air too, which, which definitely comes over the airways. I interviewed a guy a little over a year ago, uh, Cole Kubik, and he said one of the best things about his announcing crew is they are so familiar with each other. They just know each other. And that bond, you can just hear it in the booth when they're talking. Yeah, definitely. Like if I, if I do a game with somebody that I haven't uh, worked with, I like to chat with them beforehand or even better, maybe have dinner with them the night before. And then you just kind of learn how you complete each other's sentences or, you know, your thought process uh, and, and your the cadence and the way that you talk, it's definitely important. Um, and it comes across on the air if, it, if there is a good chemistry there. I, I love uh, I love doing games, but, you know, I mostly just love being part of the team. And the, the team definitely um, has to sound good. So your analyst, your sideline reporter, and then the truck, the producers, everybody works in, in one team in television. Mm-hmm. And in radio, it's a little bit smaller of a crew. Um, but every bit is important because you're painting the picture for the audience. So you've you've interviewed a lot of going back a lot of cool guests. You know, David Freeze at the World Series after the walk off. You know, Wayne Gretzky, Ozzy Smith, a bunch of them. Who would you say have been the coolest guest you've ever interviewed? Man, I mean, the Scratch Happy Hour over the last couple of years has been really great. It started out in the pandemic as um, just me having fun with listeners, and then it was my boss that asked if I would interview some celebrities. And yeah. I ended up coming up with the idea of doing it out of my garage and having a sponsor, a garage door company called Overhead Door, <laughs> sponsor me. And we called it the Garage Happy Hour. So I'm literally, literally sitting in my garage uh, interviewing people, and it just was cool. All the celebrities that came in. So I've, I've enjoyed the KMOX interviews. These are also played on KMOX. In fact, you know, this morning we played the Chris Pronger interview, the hockey hall of famer. So he's one of them that Mm -hmm. comes to mind. Pronger is one of my favorite people. He's in the hockey hall of fame. He's one of the best defensemen in the history of the game. I love the way that he describes things. He's just a good person, but he also played with an edge. He was uh, not well loved by, his opponents because he was tough man he made your life miserable yeah. he wanted you to feel some pain so that you didn't come in his area again uh, and i've been talking to him i've known him we're about the same age so i i've known him when i broke into the business he was with the blues i think he had been here for about a year well, about two years so mm-hmm. um that's that's a good one 
the other one that I, I have a great connection with is Albert Pujols. Uh, Albert, um, when he was a minor league player, uh, I w- would follow him down at spring training. He became a major leaguer in 2001, uh, and he never forgot the fact that I was following him back then. If I ever saw him in his, early in his career, if he had a charity event, I would go cover it. Uh, I would be there and show my support. He never forgot that stuff. And so every time, even when he was at his MVP peak and world champion, he would always yeah. say, hey, man, when are we doing our interview? Or, you know, hey, uh, you know, what's going on? How you been? You know, make make sure that he engaged me. And we, we stayed close through the years, and we still do. So when he did the Garage Happy Hour, <laughs> people around here were like, wow, how'd you get Albert? I'm like, I just asked the Angels to do it. And they asked him, and he said, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, I'll do that. And, you know, he ends up being uh, virtually in my garage, you know. So he's, I, I, I'd say um, just over time developing a relationship with these athletes and showing them that I'm going to ask the questions that need to be asked, but also that um, that I'm going to treat you fairly and we're going to have a nice conversation. Coaches through the years, Tony LaRussa is one of those that I developed a great mm. relationship with. Um, yeah. You know, I probably interviewed him as much as anybody uh, and, and – Pujols, uh, David Freeze, of course, you mentioned him, Chris Pronger. These are some of the, the ones that I've been closest with. But you know, Ozzie Smith and I have become good friends from working charity events. I've, I've interviewed him a ton. Um, it, it has been uh, a great run of these uh, St. Louis athletes. And then, you know, I, I 2021 was a year. It was a bucket list year for me, a couple of uh, the greatest of all time. I mean, Jack Nicholas, that was an amazing interview where um, opportunity wow. where – you know, they brought me into a room. He was here in town doing mm-hmm. uh, some promotion for a, a tournament here. And they brought me into the room and he's sitting there. And I, I'm like, you know, I don't get starstruck that often anymore. And Jack Nicholas. Man, that's Jack Nicholas. And I was like, uh, I, I miss you. <laughs> and he goes, oh, hello there. How you doing? You know, and, and, <laughs> and it was just cool. So I got to interview him and take a picture with him. That was a real neat thing for me. And you mentioned Gretzky. You know, here's another uh, goat opportunity there. So, you know, I'm, I'm my producer just asked me today. Actually, one of my producers asked me in the studio, what was it like interviewing yeah. Gretzky? And I said, it was it was awesome. I, he said, who's next for you? And I said, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah! Oh, if I, I if I could interview Jordan, I, now, now we're now we're cooking. That that yeah, man. You just answered another my question. If you could interview one person, who would it be, man? Yeah, I'd say Jordan. I mean, Jordan. Yeah, I, I I've chatted with uh, very very briefly, but I have uh, I can say that I've interviewed Tiger Woods, and oh, wow. I have met him a couple of times through the years briefly at events here in St. Louis, and and also covering the PGA Tour in, in other spots, but. Um, you know, Jordan, who I, I did meet very briefly when I was a kid at a celebrity golf tournament. If, mm-hmm. if I could ever interview him, that would be a great one. And that last dance documentary, man, that, that was, was awesome. that was so good. Especially with the time they put it out during the pandemic, it felt like the entire world was watching at the exact same time. Yeah. And I'm glad you got to see it because, you know, as you said, you're 19, so you did not get to see him play. Um, but he was the best to ever do it with all respect to LeBron James and Kobe Bryant yep. and to, in my era, you know, Magic, Bird, Kareem, you name the player, they're all great. 
I mean, all of them are great. But Michael Jordan is maybe not even the greatest basketball player of all time. He might be the greatest in the history of team sports. I mean, he was just the best. And the last dance just laid it out there perfectly. He (laughs) thrived off of people saying something against him or him. So minimal. Sometimes he would just make it up in his head like, <laughs> i hate that guy so then he would you know try to score 40 or 50 against him i mean he was relentless absolutely yeah. relentless competitor and a champion i always i think almost i might have missed the yes or two but almost every guest i interview i always ask that question who do you think's a go is lebron or michael and i've i've never i like lebron but i've always always been a jordan fan always think that nobody no matter the records, broken, whatever, I always think Jordan will always have that. He's number one, and everybody else is two. Yeah, it's it's hard to, you know, because LeBron is just an, an amazing, uh, unique talent. I mean, here's a guy who's 6'9", about 270 pounds, and, you know, can knife through a defense like a guard and can, is a tremendous passer like Magic Johnson was. Great, great scorer understands the game he's won championships uh but jordan in this in my opinion okay michael jordan and the way the nba Mm -hmm. is today was such an incredible scorer a high flying athlete a great jump shooter a great defensive player the way the game is played today i think jordan would score 40 or 50 a game (laughs) he was just (laughs) a killer man an absolute killer and if you told him he wasn't he'd come back at you twice as hard the next game he was unbelievable of course and now with there's more recovery tools and stuff like he put so much wear and tear on his body that nowadays it wouldn't really be there as much and i feel like easily 40 to 50 it would like effortlessly with him yeah, well, and the fact and the fact that he did it in the '90s is crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the teams he was going up against then were were brutally tough. Detroit Pistons would, you know, would tackle you if they could, and, and you know, it was it was a tough sled there for Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He he had he had an awesome career. Um, I think that he would score a lot. I don't know you know how easy it would be necessarily i think he would do it though i think the nba is still a tough league um but not what it was i think the challenge was a little bit no. tougher then the, but there there's there's definitely an appreciation on my part i'm more of a college basketball fan than i am an nba fan but i have a great appreciation for the incredible um display of athleticism and basketball that is in the nba i mean it, it's it's incredible. It is amazing to watch these players. And if you ever get to see a game in person, um, it's even more amazing. It, it, it's always funny to me when, I mean, you see the guys, the one through probably nine or ten who play, but it's those bottom-level bench players who, if they played versus anybody in college right now or anybody, they would dominate them in college, how good those guys are. Like the bottom, the last person on the bench is – insane at basketball hit like and he's not even he's not even playing and he's crazy at basketball and i always thought that was so interesting yeah well that's a huge difference between pro and college and the same thing with college football and the nfl i mean if anybody was, <laughs> is wondering you know would the detroit lions beat alabama you know or something like that like 
yeah, they beat them by four. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. The the Detroit Lions ha- are an NFL team. I mean, these are these are the best of the pros. Best. Yes, I mean, if you if you're if you ever watch a college football game on the sideline, or if you sit close, you'll see the speed and the physical nature of the game is pretty eye popping. If you go to an NFL game and <laughs> sit on the sideline or sit close and watch, it is frightening how big, strong, and fast these players are and how hard these collisions are. It's actually amazing that uh, they they make it from game to game, the way that they play and how, how hard they hit each other. They're incredible. Also, while I was preparing for this interview, I liked to, a lot of my mom's family lives in St. Louis, and I was asking one of my, my uncles, I was like, I'm interviewing a guy from Camo X Sports. He, if you want me to tell him anything. And he wants me to let you know that he used to grow up listening to Mike Shannon. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Mike Shannon just retired, 50-year voice of the Cardinals um, and and one of my great friends. He used to, Yeah, he used to listen to him growing up with my grandpa who died when I was a, a really young age. So he says he really misses listening to him a lot. Um, but his also his question was, what are the chances of an NFL team coming back to St. Louis? I think probably none now. I, I mean, unless something drastic happens where there's an ownership group and there's an expansion opportunity, I seriously doubt it. The NFL just lost a, a lawsuit where they had to pay, they settled, uh, but they had to pay $790 million to St. Louis City and County. That's a huge, huge chunk of money. Um, and, you know, this was... Wasn't it supposed to be a lot more, too? It was, well... It, the, it could have been, but then again, you would have had to possibly deal with an appeal process that could have gone on for years. And there was also a chance yeah. that you don't see any of this money. So, you know, after the lawyers get paid their share, you're going to be talking 500 plus million dollars for this area. That's a big win for us uh, against the NFL. And I'm not sure the NFL wants to deal with this anymore. I, you know, I'm not sure that St. Louis wants to deal with the NFL anymore. It'd be great for our ego. <laughs> uh, it's always great to have an NFL team, but, we unfairly had that team ripped away from us uh, by the owner of the Rams, Stan Kroenke, and then lied about it. So they said that, you know, they were giving St. Louis a chance to recoup the team where they never were going to give St. Louis a chance. They were going to move to Los Angeles. And then, then they tried to scorch the area on their way out to prove that we weren't fit to, to have an NFL team, which is ridiculous. I mean, our, our attendance yeah. figures were huge. So I think there's, if there ever was an NFL team here, it would do very, very well. We've got an incredible fan base. And when the Rams were going to the Super Bowl uh, and having good years, it was an awesome scene here. Before that, I grew up a St. Louis Cardinals fan. The owner of that team wanted a new stadium built and, and decided to move to Phoenix. Um, so I think they've gotten a couple of bad deals, and I'm not sure that, that they want to go down that road again. I mean, if, if so, um, you know, that'd be – I'm sure it'd be fun, but you know, there's a lot going on here. Baseball, hockey, an MLS stadium is going up right down the street from me here. They're going to start oh, yeah. playing 23. You got great college sports everywhere you look. Um, golf destination. We've got great golf and, and uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, a NASCAR race is, is going to be here starting next year. NASCAR cup series coming to St. Louis. So it's, it, there's a lot of excitement going on and, I just don't see it happening with the NFL, especially after that lawsuit. Yeah, sadly, I don't, I don't see it either. But 
we've had you on. I really appreciate it. We'll ask you one last question before we let you go about the Cardinals, actually. We, want, of course, want to finish up with a little bit of sports before we let you go. The Cardinals lost in the wild card to the Dodgers after having an, an incredible streak of games of winning. What did they get up to? 19? 17? Yeah. What do you think the next step for the Cardinals is? Because I feel like they need to get over that that wild card barrier. Not that they've like, that's the only place they've been to, but I feel like they're they're not getting, they're not as good as I feel like they could be. Well, once they get through this lockout, and I do think the two sides will come to an agreement eventually and they will play. Yeah. Um, I don't know when that'll be, but hopefully they don't delay spring training too much and they can get back to playing. Once they do that, the Cardinals will make a couple more moves before they start the season. And one of them will be to, to bulk up their bullpen um, they just walked way too many people last year, and that really did them in time and time again. So if they can cut down on those, get some strike throwers out there, and they did. They added Steven Matz to the rotation. That's a good addition. I think the rotation's good. I'd like to see them add another starter for depth mm-hmm. and a couple of relievers. And then they probably just need, you know, I'm assuming that the, NA, that the uh, National League is going to add the DH and if that is going to happen, they need to add a DH. They need to add a lefty power bat. They've got a couple of really good prospects down in the minors in yeah. uh, Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes. Gorman's a lefty, Yepes is a righty. Those are two projected DHs. But they, they do need a veteran. And I'd love to see a lefty power bat. You know, kind of a name that comes to mind for me that would fit would be um, Kyle Schwarber. But. I, you know, it Ooh. depends on what they want to do uh, in terms of money and, and length of contract. But that'd be the type of player that I would go after. If one more bat in this lineup I think would be really strong. It's the best defensive team in the history of baseball. No team's ever had five gold glovers in one year. They had that this year. They had a gold glover at first, second, third, <laughs> left, and center. And the best catcher defensively maybe ever behind the plate. <laughs> in Yadier Molina, who did not win a gold glove. So it, it's it's a really nice team there. It's a run prevention team. I just think they need a little more offense, and I think they'll be where they need to be, which is win the division and then you know try to get into that upper echelon of Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Braves. Um, yeah. You know, And I think the Mets are going to be really good. I think the Brewers will still be a pain and, and will be good. Um, but I think the Cardinals are, are in that conversation. I think they are too, especially they got very they're all they're very good, but they're also pretty young. But of course, besides Yachty, they are pretty young. I feel like there's a big chance they could get a lot better these next few years. And of I course, yeah. so many Golden Gloves. I thought that was actually like funny how many like Golden Glove guys we yeah, have on our wild, team. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? And, and you want to pitch on a team like that. That's why you want to throw strikes. Why walk people when when if you put the ball in play, you know most of the time that ball is going to be caught or it's going to be a ground out. And you've got Nolan Arenado at third, Goldschmidt at first, Tommy Edmonds become a really good player, gold glove second. Very first. good. You know, shortstop has been a good position for them. They they could pick that area up offensively, but defensively it's been good. Your outfield, you got gold gloves in left and center. Right fielder is a great one in Carlson. I mean, that's, you know, put the ball in play and let these guys make the plays, and they'll be much better. I mean, I, I think they'll be a really nice team. I – Totally agree. And we have one last, one last thing I have to ask you. And it will be a weird question, but you'll understand in a second. 
what is your favorite gas station? My favorite gas station is one that has uh, a lot of food options, a clean bathroom, and yes. um, and is right off the highway. So what gas, I don't, what gas I don't choose that? at that point. It, it, whatever brand or whatever name that is, I will go to it. So I, I will not be ah. choosy there. If it's that close, I will do it. So some that, that uh, there are a lot of names that come to mind. Um, you know, I guess I'll go for, uh, I, I, I've always liked Casey's. So that's okay. just from bouncing around Valley locations here in, in the Midwest. Casey's general store has been like one of those that's been good, but yeah, man, it doesn't matter to me, whatever they are, uh, mobile, you know, mobile on the runs, a big one here, BP, uh, shell. I would say quick trip. You have to go to quick trip. That's the yeah, one quick, so I quick feel trip, like is number one. I, I love QT quick trips always been great. That's been a great one for me, but on the road now. So I'm thinking about like off the highway. Oh see yeah. QTs are always like in, you know, Metro areas, but yeah, I, I will always stop it. It can actually QT quick trips got exactly what I just said great food uh drinks they got those great fountain drinks it's clean you know it's welcoming yeah those are the kind of uh the kind of places i like there's another one by the way that i always uh enjoy because my initials are ta but ta ta tra have you ever seen those ta travel centers are they are they the ones with the dinosaur on it no that's a different one that's, that's a different sinclair one. i think ah uh, no i have seen the ta a whole podcast on because there's a difference like there's the ones that are on the road so when i'm traveling in my car going to these valley cities to do basketball i always yeah. have certain ones that i like uh but you know then there's also the ones in town like well, who do you prefer in town i would agree with you on quick trip that's a good one my uh my uncle he uh his work he is usually in a car and he said he's been to basically every quick trip in st louis and so i've my family's kind of hitched onto that quick trip love so that's why i was asking because i i love them quick trip on uh ashby road which is which is just north of my high school and we used to as soon as you turned 16 like it was we thought we were so cool you'd go up to quick trip and (laughs) get a coke or whatever and, and and hang out and then and then head back to school with a big one of those big plastic quick trip cups. Oh yeah, we thought we were Yeah. Sick. That's funny. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on using your time to to be on this with me. It really means a lot and to talk for I mean, some guys don't usually want to talk a lot, but for 53 minutes, I really appreciate that. Hey, no problem. I mean, this is this is what I do, but I you know, I do enjoy talking and chatting and catching up. I appreciate you making the effort to reach out. And it was nice to chat with you. And I, I wish you the very best. For anybody, for everybody, go out and listen to Garage Happy Hour, his podcast on, I'm guessing, on everything Spotify, Apple yeah, so Podcasts. They are, um, it is a Facebook Live that is on the KMOX Sports Facebook page. It's also on the KMOX Sports Twitter page. But if you just Google Garage Happy Hour, KMOX, they'll pop up and you'll see them. It's all, they're also on KMOX.com. And then, so they're videos. And then we turn the audio into uh, podcasts that are played on the air as well. So it's, it's kind of a two for one there. 
Awesome. Well, everybody go check that out. Go support him. But man, I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Ashton. Thank you.